Thanks for joining us for another episode of Chapter Chat. My good friend Mike from Grown Out Therapy is going to be joining me soon. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 5 of our current book that we are reading, uh, Most Likely to Succeed. All right, there is Mike. Let me get him here and we will get started. We are doing chapter chat. Hello, hello. Here we are on a Thursday evening. I was going to say, I was just going to say, we're, we're doing it on a Thursday. I don't even know what happened. I had to cancel last minute. Oh, I had family stuff that came up. Mike was flexible, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, always flexible, but we always got to find a time. If we have, yes. to cancel, if we have to cancel on Monday, you know we have to reschedule. Yep, no, right. no week is complete without chapter chat. No, it's wonderful. How long have we been doing this now? Do you know? Did we start oh, in like July? Not long August? enough. Let's put it I that don't way. even know. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I remember walking around in the in the summertime and trying to come up with a with a with a name for it because uh because -huh. uh -huh. we did a, we did a live and we talked about how great it would be to have a book club. Yeah. And it took took forever to come up with the name Chapter Chat. Yep. Yep. So we spent I, some I, time on that. I would say probably in like July, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So if you're new to Chapter Chat, uh, we do the hard part. We read a chapter right. a week for you so that you don't have to read the book. Many of you are following along. We know that. And we think that's wonderful. But Mike and I, when we put this book club together, we thought, you know, we have so many reference books and we don't have time to read them. And if we did a chapter a week, maybe we could actually, you know, get some books read. So we are on our third book. This is, and this book has been so intense, mm -hmm. so chock full of information. The last chapter, chapter four, I think we did what three Mondays, three weeks, three it took weeks, three weeks, three weeks on one four. chapter. So this is true chapter chat. We're breaking it down piece by piece by piece. Yes, yes. And this gonna... chapter, yeah, this chapter right here about about mm. the college degree, the gold ring, a oh. little uh, uh, just just it's unbelievable. And and but I I want to give a quick shout out. I already saw Allison Moulton's here. Carol's here. It's so great to see all you, all, all the people that have been with us since day one yes, yes. and are always sending me messages after every chapter chat episode. All, every single person who's here, whether you're new or, or a chapter chat veteran, salute to, <laughs> salute to all the veterans, of course. Yes, Callie yes. Knight, I see Callie Knight's here, my, our, our good friend at K Knight Therapy. Yes. Uh, she, is, she is absolutely amazing. She's one of my favorites. Uh, so yeah, everybody, uh, yeah, there's Callie right there. Everybody follow her. Uh, but everyone's spending your Thursday night with us. It's, I know it's yep. getting it's getting darker earlier now. Oh man! So, and, mm -hmm. and I'm sure everyone's in the in the swing of IEP and eval season and oh, and getting yeah. getting ready for Thanksgiving. So everyone out there joining us, thank you guys. Yes, absolutely. So I just have to say, Mike, reading chapter five, oh, I man. oh I don't even know. I don't want to like sound disgruntled or but I just it's so disheartening that we've talked about that chapter four is about K through 12 and yep. how we desperately need education reform how our current education system that was um, first established in 1893 and we're basically still using the same platform and the same um, types of goals uh, and then we get to chapter five which is uh, the college degree and everybody has always assumed that getting a college degree is the be all end all. If you get a college degree, your life is going to be great. You know, you're going to be financially sound. And boy, do they um, uh, start out on chapter, uh, page 146. Um, the only thing I've highlighted on that page, but it says, 
Um, we understand the nostalgic view adults, many adults have about college, and we know that many will squirm at what we have to say in this chapter mm -hmm. because it goes against entrenched beliefs. And I have to say, my eyes were opened um, to the state of our colleges in this country. I, what did you think, Mike? Yeah, so, so basically... I am just so amazed at how our succession of books we've read so far with Chapter Chat are just so beautifully intertwined. Yep, us yep. Start, us, it couldn't have been better for us to start with How Children Succeed. Yeah, yep, this was our first book. And to learn about the cognitive hypothesis, yep, which is yep. basically the number one word to describe why education in this country is really, really just not working. Not right, working right. for students. And the cognitive hypothesis is trickling down and creating students who are disinterested, unmotivated, anxious, uh, sensory, you know, dysregulated, yeah, and, yeah. and school's just not working. Then we learn about Finland, where school and teachers, and it's, it's, a, it's prestigious. You know, school yeah. is something that, that the entire country is motivated to do, and teachers mm -hmm. are held in high regard. So we've talked at length now about how the cognitive hypothesis has really hurt kids' mental health. And mm -hmm. this chapter right here, what really stood out to me was on page 153, uh -huh. just how much, you know, obviously the cognitive hypothesis for 12 plus years, mm -hmm. growing up with it, and then being thrust into this independent world of college. Yeah. I had no idea that mental health in college was so poor. I know. And we're going to talk about that. I just have to show you, Mike, on one page 60, I actually wrote cognitive hypothesis. There. And <laughs> yep. I'll, just, yep. I'll just read you what it said. It said, the fabric of our university mindset is all about what people know and nothing about what they can do with what they know. And that just, to me, just screams. That's the problem is we are force feeding factual information um, that can actually be easily Googled now. So we're still forcing yep. students to rote memorize dates and facts instead of actually teaching students how to critically analyze this robust amount of information that is now available on the interweb, right? So instead of focusing on critical thinking skills and innovative problem-solving skills, which is what our country desperately and our economy desperately need, we are still stuck in the 1893 uh, education model, which is the, what do you call it, Mike, lecture, listen model, right? So sit there and sit still and be quiet and let me spew information at you that you could easily Google on that um, phone, that smartphone that you have yep. in, in yep. your desk. But because um, we talked about in previous chapters that um, back in the day before this, uh, you know, digital age, um, teachers were the only people who had the information, right? So they had to dispense it to their students. The teachers actually came with the knowledge and dispensed it. Well, the thing is now information is readily available. So um, let's see, where do we want to start, Mike? I have that, um, I kind of made a few notes because this chapter had me so discombobulated because I was so almost, I don't want to say I'm upset, but I guess I'm disheartened by um, the fact that the issues are continuing into college, okay? Everything that we've talked about in education. So the first thing I have, uh, I took notes on was the financial cost of going yes. to college. So yes. I think we better start there. Um, whew. And, and these, these authors were spot on in terms of, uh, people already having their set beliefs mm -hmm. and this chapter being kind of hard for them to read. Like even now after reading it and even after all these chapter chats we've done, I still can't get it out of my head that college is the way to go. 
-hmm. You know, I still like, I, it's such an entrenched belief of you right. learn your whole life. You have to go to college. Right, you have to right, go to college. Right, right. And I still believe that. And I still, you know, all of my students I work with in middle school, high school, mm -hmm. I want them to go to college. I want them to have that experience. Mm -hmm. But this chapter really highlights the financial toll it takes throughout yep. the entire lifespan. Yeah. And there's many SLPs that I know have a lot to talk about in terms of student debt. Oh my word. It's, oh my it, word. But, but, this, but this chart right here is yeah. absolutely insane. Rising debt on, on yeah. 151. Student okay. loan yep. debt has nearly quadrupled in the past 10 years. Isn't that something? Unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, how, many, I, how many people are here tonight who are still paying off basically the interest of their student loan. So they're not, yeah. the loans aren't decreasing. You're no. just paying off the interest every single yeah. month. The hundreds so, of thousands of dollars in interest that you end up paying. It's yeah. unbelievable. And how many teachers and SLPs who mm -hmm. aren't making more than 100,000, 150,000 right. that are paying off these massive student loans. Right. And you did it just so you can get a master's degree so you can work with children, so you can right. work with adults in need. Right. Uh, right. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. And you learn so much about... Uh, the U.S. World Report rankings of college. Oh, yeah. We'll talk and, about... Mm. And, and this is something that, you know, I always try to bring it back to, you know, my experiences in my life. You know, I remember being an undergrad and uh, when, I'm t when I'm taking the prereqs and seeing speech pathology, number two, careers of the future, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. going to make this much money. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to get jobs as soon as... as soon, before you even graduate, you'll have mm -hmm. 10 job mm -hmm. offers. Mm -hmm. And never do you learn about oh, the majority of jobs are actually 1099 contracting jobs uh -huh, with no uh -huh. benefits where you, uh -huh. don't, where you don't work, you don't get paid. <laughs> Everyone like, oh, you're, and you don't learn about working at a school and having paperwork and yeah. having, having to do due process hearings. Mm -hmm. and, all, and, all of, and you basically learn that, okay, colleges start speech and language pathology programs, not because it's a growing field and a need, but because it brings money to the college, yeah. it's a it's yeah. a hot, it's a hot program. It's a hot yep. uh, it's a it's a popular thing. It's going to bring applicants. It's going to bring students. And this is happening in certain areas where the field is really saturated, and there's yeah. really not that many jobs. And a lot of them go through recruiting companies. So mm -hmm. I so I've certainly seen it. I'm sure you know you and and your mm -hmm. peers have seen it mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the business side of college, just trying to bring people in and spend money and add to that tuition. But yeah. it's, hap it's happening all over. And these colleges are businesses. That's exactly what it is. And that's, yeah. And we'll definitely talk about that U.S. News and World Report ranking. But on page 147, I just thought this was fascinating, that over the past three decades, college costs have risen three times faster than the cost of living, increasing almost 8% per year for 30 years. And so they, the authors talk about, oh, well, but you'll hear people say, oh, but you should see the cost of health care. So there's this really nice chart yep. here, uh, this graph on page 147 that shows the lowest line is the cost of living, right? Mm -hmm. The next line is healthcare. And then this one that skyrockets, this is the cost of college room and board and tuition. And so um, it is nothing. They said it makes our healthcare look like, like the, the deal of the century. You know, when you look at our university rates, students are graduating and they graduating. This book was written in 2015. And they said, um, here it is uh, on page 150, um, undergraduate education. Oh, no, that's not it. Uh, but somewhere it said that um, uh, 
that most people graduate with uh, about $125,000 in debt. And if you go to a private school, it's often closer to $250,000 in debt. And the problem is they're not making that much more money. So um, the authors were talking about, you know, on page 149 that, okay, it used to be um, that uh, you, you made that your cost of, of um, schooling, so I, the one author said that his cost $8,000 a year. In total. His, yeah, to, um, $8,000 per year. So it was, no, let's see, what was it? 8000 for four years. Is that what it was? And he made, I have to find it now. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So Ted paid about $8,000 in total for his four years of college. And his first full-time position paid $32,000. So his total debt was $8,000 and his starting salary was $32,000. So now imagine this, you, you graduate, let's say with a degree in speech language pathology, right? And you have $125,000 in debt and you might make $65,000 a year. So there's no way that it is adding up. It's, there's no way that this increase in cost of college is being matched by wages, by salaries. So we have the, um, the debt, the collateral damage, if you, if you will. Um, and so what a lot of students end up doing when they graduate college, um, got to live at home, right? Um, I, I, I can't afford to live on my own because I have to pay $1,200 a month in student loans. So I'm going to continue to live at home. Oh, yeah, I have a master's degree, but I can't afford to live on my own. Oh, and, and, that's, and that's exactly how I felt. I remember getting my master's degree and looking for my CFY and getting all these offers for these contracting positions. And I was like, wait a second, I have a master's. I deserve a salary position with benefits and all of uh -huh. that. Uh -huh. And this chapter really hits on that. And it's, I'm, I'm learning it's not just speech pathology. Right, you know, right. as average tuition and fees at public four-year schools have increased, that's the top line. Uh -huh. and, then, and then the bottom line here is the earnings of college graduates have decreased. <laughs> so as college, as college costs have increased, earnings have decreased it's unbelievable and people are people are being stricken by debt and this debt is lifelong and it's, it it's, is lifelong and we hear forgive student debt we hear this from politicians all mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. it's not happening it's not going to happen right. right so um i mean on page 152 this just breaks my heart um is that so many um college students about 30 percent use credit cards to pay for their tuition so I mean, what, like, what, 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 what is going on, you know? So they say parents are draining down their retirement savings in an effort to try to help their children. And so as college grads flounder financially, few of them are going to even be able to pay off their own student loans, let alone help their parents in their old age, which is often, like, as a, a first-generation college graduate, that's what I had in my mind was, oh, I'll be able to help my parents, you know, in their old age because, you know, and it's just with, with the debt that we're racked with, um, it, it makes it very, very difficult. So they say you'll barely be able to pay off your own loans, let alone, you know, support your family, which is what you would like to do. And that bottom of page 152, the last sentence, having so many capable young adults pursuing passionless careers yes. is another tragedy caused by the rising costs of college. So because it's so expensive, because they maybe, um, you know, don't want to or don't have the ability, you know, to, to, to go to college to get that um, amount of loans, they're taking jobs that, they're not happy with they're they're they go to work miserable they're not enjoying um their career if you will so we have the financial cost then they go on to talk about the emotional cost yes. of college and this is where um, unbelievable unbelievable and this and this makes you think you know obviously when we're sending kids away to college 
they're not ready. They are not ready for that independent experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is it? Is it is it because they had maybe an IEP or a 504 that was a little too accommodating and not allowing for independence? Or was it because they went through 12 years of this lecture-listen model right. where they listened, they held it in their working memory for as long as they could until test time, right. and then forgot about it right. and re- repeated that same cycle for 12 years. For 12 years, and right. Now, so they don't actually yeah. have the foundation. They don't have the executive function skills to be able to be independent, to make good decisions on their own. So what's happening is um, it's taking a powerful toll on their emotional health. The epidemic of depression um, is something they talk about. Um, the crisis on campus is um, a study that was released by the American Psychological Association that talks about an alarming increase over the past two decades in serious mental health issues on campus. I can just tell you, Terrible. I have had two daughters in college. One is getting her master's right now, and the other um, graduated during the pandemic um, as a nurse. And um, there were some pretty significant times um, where I wasn't sure if I didn't need to pull one of them out. There were mm. some um, issues with, like, I mean, just severe depression, not feeling good enough, not feeling like if I don't get straight A's, I'm not going to be able to, to survive. So that pressure was there. And um, near breaking point. And so I have been firsthand witness to the emotional toll um, of what is happening in college. And I just, I, it cracks me up, Mike, that on page 153, they're still talking about the teach to the test education, which is what we've talked about in every book that we've read so far, that that is really the premise of, of American education, teach to the test. And what do students ask? Will that be on the test? Do I need to know that? Will that be on the test? Because that is what we have decided is the best way to measure um, learning is can you regurgitate information that was wrote memorized on a test? And, and that's so- exactly what it is. So that's exactly. So we have created this cognitive hypothesis. Capitalism or whatever it is mm-hmm. has created this cognitive hypothesis, which focuses on testing. And your post today, not only was it so beautifully, <laughs> beautifully visualizing, but that image you made of that report card, mm-hmm. it, it was just it was amazing. And you went through it piece by piece of standardized testing and took it directly from our book it was actually taken from chapter two there's no Um, way to like share there's no way to share it here is there i wish there was but yeah if you go to my my page and just look at my post today on instagram i just pulled some information directly from chapter two Callie loved it yeah because it was (laughs) it's just it's just mind-boggling and i know if you follow me you're like oh my gosh here she goes again um but uh i just i i feel like you can't just say this once we need education reform we need education reform we need education reform it's not working so um i'll just keep um until i'm you know dust in the wind i'm just gonna keep plugging away and just trying to um uh affect change in any way possible mike i have to tell you you know i have a school district out in cheyenne wyoming that is uh, uh, going to be consulting with me to come in and try to revamp uh, and do some some training uh, for their special education program. And so I had a meeting with all the big wigs last week, and it was uh, excellent. It went really well. Nice. So I'm super excited to all see right. how we can uh, get in there and start uh, a That's how it change. all starts. Mm, it is. It is. So we're starting with pre-K through second grade. And we're going to build this way, which is how we need to do education reform. So I think I have it here. This needs to be shared. This needs to okay. be seen you think by you the can chapter do it? chat. Here oh, we, go. we go. There, there we go. go. So the unfortunate goals of American education. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. She even got the clock on top. Mm-hmm. This is just mm-hmm. like so visual. This is just, a, I, I must have stared at these pictures today. 
for like 45 <laughs> minutes when I should have been doing paperwork. I love so it. So number it. one, boost standardized test scores. So okay. this is it. This is the cognitive hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Focus on standardized test, standardized test, standardized test. We, yeah. are, we, we talk about with IEPs how there's too much testing for kids with special needs, mm -hmm. how we give them a raw score, a standard score, mm -hmm. all that information, and we just give them a number to define themselves. Right. Well, guess what? This is across the entire country. Right, Everything right. is about test scores, yeah. right? Get students through the process to have acceptable graduation rates, which is basically so the school looks good, yep. so the teachers look good, mm -hmm. and this is all that race to the top. Yep. You know, race, race to the to, top. Yep. Race to the yep. top. Another thing that Finland never does, a little thing called school competition, which yeah. should never happen because it hurts the teachers and it hurts, it hurts the, students. the students, right? Get students into colleges that please their parents because, of course, that's, you know, and rightfully so, it's a parent's goal to see their kid go away, mm -hmm. but it's all about grades. And, you know, in America, we've really, uh, we've normalized these uh, like acceptance days, like, oh, what college will he choose? What, right, like, where, right. where is he going? What's like right. all these sorts of things. And, it, right. and it's, and we, we are constantly ranking these colleges as yeah. if you're more uh, worthy yes. of a long-term life, a more worthy of, you're going to uh, have a better life, right? Being, you go being, to Harvard, yeah. being most likely to succeed exactly. if you go, if you go to a good school, mm -hmm. sort and rank order kids with a meaningless bell curve. I could could not have said it better myself. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. The authors laid this out for us. So yeah, this is a huge. This is this was the post today. And then this one right here. This one right here. Critical skills report card. This is it. This is the heart and soul of the chapter chat grassroots mm -hmm. movement. The critical yep. skills report card. This look at every single bullet point that she put here. These are the skills that are missing. These are the skills that are, yeah. lead, that are leading towards college dropouts, the emotional cost of college. These yeah. are the skills that are not being taught first through 12th grade. And mm -hmm. then kids are asked to be independent, asked to use their curiosity, use their imagination, right. have helpful debates in class. Use their to, critical thinking use skills. Use their right? critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. All of this. Be, be agile. Be adaptable. Be flexible. Take some initiative. Uh, manage your entire schedule, man. Like, uh, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know, here's a book. Here's a book. <laughs> have it read by the end of the month, and I want to have you, you need to have a class discussion on it and uh -huh. have a written paper on it. That's what uh -huh. colleges do, but yep. kids can't do it because they're so used to these highly structured. And it's time right. to focus. Look at that megaphone right there. <laughs> it's time to focus on executive function skills. One yep. of the greatest yep. Instagram posts oh, in the, I love in well, the history of social media. And it just came from our book that we're reading. Because I was, I was telling Mike, we were talking about that post. I said, I mean, this is just golden. If you're reading a book this good, you could do Instagram posts all day long, you know? So um, uh, I cited the authors. I mean, it's all their information. But it yep. was just me trying to put it in a cohesive way to understand that, so we have the financial cost, we have the emotional cost, which is uh, very concerning. Um, and on page 154, they say, here's the problem. Um, uh, students spend boatloads of time um, on school-related activities that lead to no real learning. Um, yeah, so it says, oh my gosh, so um, young Americans have not had the benefit of an education that fosters creativity and innovation. They keep coming back to those two words, creativity and innovation. And um, there's nothing to be, you know, we don't even really spark 
um, uh, uh, creativity because we don't look at curiosity. Curiosity is different for every student. You know, what gives you your brain tingles? What are you most passionate about in this world? What do you want to learn more about? That is where we start looking at um, uh, each individualized student's interests and talents and, um, you know, uh, preferences. But we don't do that. We use a common core that says you're going to all have to uh, uh, learn the same thing in the same exact way and teachers are expected to teach it in the same way so um okay mike next we have uh oh yeah um <laughs> so so what so one thing one thing i loved here was on page 154 okay. right, in the, right smack in the middle yep. it start it starts with given this reality we can hardly endorse let alone fathom movements like stophomework.com or ban busy which i'm quite intrigued <laughs> which, which i'm yep. quite intrigued about i want to uh -huh. look more into that which seems to suggest that the way to address the stress in education is to have kids spend more time lounging, lounging around. around. Right. Of course, of course, lounging around is the opposite of varied experiences. Right. So right. Yes. we don't want you doing nothing. We, we, we want we, kids. Yes. We want all human beings to be able to put their phone down and to go have a varied experience, right? Go do anything that doesn't involve a screen. And we know that this is a huge issue. Uh, and so, yeah, varied experiences. If you're new to Chapter Chat, that's a term that I learned from Mike, and now it's my favorite term. And that's I'm always right. talking about how many varied experiences, um, how many non-screen experiences has your child had today? I think it's an important question. If you have a headache, if you're stressed out, if you're irritable as an adult, ask yourself, how many non-screen experiences have I had today? Yep. Because we know that we get cranky when we don't have movement, when we don't have nature, when we don't have interactions with other people. So um, there is, um, yeah, we have, we, have, we have a lot of issues, uh, most certainly, most certainly. So, um, hmm. Do we want to talk about the CLA? They talk a lot, a few oh, things yeah. about the Collegiate Learning Assessment. Are you guys familiar with that? The CLA. Um, and it's an interesting test because it's not multiple choice. What they do in this test is they give complex questions. Um, they're open-ended questions. And they provide them with relevant background materials, like actual documents. And then they challenge them to formulate a solution. And so it really looks at the ability to analyze information um, in a critical manner and to be able to justify uh, uh, their points. And so it looks really intense. And um, the CLA measures skills that higher education claims to teach, critical thinking, analytical reasoning, problem solving, and writing. And they said, while we usually criticize teaching to the test, if we actually taught to the CLA test, students would learn everything they needed to be successful in life. So it's wow. an interesting thing to think about that CLA. Yeah, this is, and, and basically what they found was, uh, uh, they observed no statistically significant gains in critical thinking, complex reasoning, or writing skills for at least 45% of the students in the first two years of college and 36% of students across all four years of college. And the thing that really stood out to me was at the bottom of page 157, a study by the National Center for Education <laughs> Statistics found that 20% of college graduates were completely lost when it came to the even the most basic quantitative skills. They, yep. were un they were unable to calculate the total cost of an order of office supplies, compare ticket prices, or arrive at a correct total bill for lunch when given the price of a salad plus a sandwich. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable to me because I can't wow. tell you how many times 
I've been, I don't even, I can't even get, think where, but somewhere where you're dealing in cash, you know, where you're paying in cash and you give like, um, it's, uh, uh, you know, usually at a restaurant. So maybe the bill is like $9 and 58 cents and maybe you give them like 10 Oh three. So why would you give them the three pennies, right? Well, because you don't want a bunch of pennies back, right? And, oh, my God. The, the, they, they get so stressed out because they have to figure it. Like, they don't have a, you know, a, a calculator to figure it, and they just can't do it. There have been so many times where I've had to tell them exactly how much change to give me. And now those three pennies just throw them off. They, or if your bill is 21 or, or is $11 and you give them $21 because you have a $20 bill and a one. And they're yep. like, why would you give me 21 why would I give you 21? Like, let's talk about this. If the bill oh, is $11, goodness. why would I give you $21? I don't know. And so I'm like, oh, oh, oh my goodness. And these are like, you know, high school graduates. These are students who got A's in math and they can't tell you why, you know, how to, how to make change. And how, so, yeah, I, um, how much time, how much time do high school students spend learning about quadrilaterals, triangles, mm -hmm. the stuff that you don't area, use in everyday all that life, stuff? Yeah. But mm -hmm. how much of how much do we actually talk about money? Yeah. Like, like yeah. what is what is that like a month, a month, two months? It's, well, and maybe you only talk about it in elementary school, you know, or it's maybe in story problems, but it's not like I, I, I don't really know. I'm just saying I think there is a problem when we have adults who have gone through high school and many of them college and can't do basic computations. Um, so here we go again on that same page you were on, Mike, 157. Um, far too many college students graduate without, without developing the capability to, here we go. It's always these same things. Think critically always. and creatively, speak and write um, cognitively and clearly, solve problems, comprehend complex issues, accept responsibility and accountability, take mm. the perspective of others, or meet the expectations of employers. They go on to state that having a bachelor's degree no longer certifies that the graduate has any specific qualifications take the, the the thing that stands out to me the most is take the perspectives of others yeah how that important is, is that if we can't take the perspectives of others there's no society there's yeah. no community that is there is be, perspective taking skills i was just talking to uh, one of my colleagues of mine and you know we're basically seeing that a lot of this the new teenage students were seeing, you know, like every single time a new student comes to the clinic, you know, to, mm -hmm. to begin therapy, it's a lot of the same thing. It's kids that are just like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. Why do I have to be here? I could be at home. I could be playing games. Mm -hmm. I could be in front of my computer. I don't have to like just having to talk to somebody. Yeah. Even like, like I, I'm, when I first meet a student, it's all about building rapport. It's not, mm -hmm. I, I don't make, I don't make them do worksheets. I don't make right. them read. I don't make right. them write. I chat with them about their preferred topics mm -hmm. and just that, just having to talk about their preferred topics in a new environment mm -hmm. is emotionally taxing to them Yep, yep. because, because they spend all their time on their phone, on their computer, mm -hmm. looking at discord. Everything's yep. on discord now. Everything is Discord with typing and a username and a, and oh. a, and a, and a mm -hmm. fake picture. It's just, it's unbelievable. And the, the, we are losing the ability to think about others thinking. And, oh. to thi and to think, when I do this, when I say something, when I make this face, when I do this body language, right. when right. I make this point, 
what thoughts am I putting into that other person's head? Right. Am I making them feel good? Am I making them feel happy? Am I making them feel appreciative? If we can't do that as a society, if we're right. grazing an entire generation that can't understand perspectives, which is a social executive skill, mm -hmm. not a social, not a pragmatic skill. Right. This is social executive functioning. It's metacognition, mm -hmm. social. And right. it's, 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 it's a very scary thing to think about if we have college graduates that don't understand the perspectives of others. Because if, if, think about it. If you don't understand perspectives, how are you fully understanding what you read? How are you, right. able, how are you able to write a persuasive essay? How are you able to write something that's worth reading? How are right. you able to fully understand a, a book? It's, 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 yeah. it's basically... Well, how are you going to make a friend? How are you going to be an employee and, 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 and be able to interact with your employer? You know, I mean, yeah. you think about how critical yep. perspective taking is. You have to be able to anticipate how a customer is going to react if you say or if you do or if you write, right? You have to be able to step into somebody else's shoes. And yep. so, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, basi so basically, these skills, all the skills, like you said, it always comes back down to critical thinking, perspective taking, all these executive function skills they list and never say executive function. They never say EF, no. The big thing is that it's because these are all the skills that are not taught via lecture listen. Right. So I, so I did a, a big presentation last week at one of the really prestigious private schools, and there's always one parent that's like, well, if phones are so bad, and experience is so bad. Why isn't the school taking the time to teach the kids about the dangers of screens? Why aren't we teaching kids? Why aren't you guys taking a few days to make your lesson about the dangers of screens and these things? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I very clearly said, we've become too complacent with the lecture listen model, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is not how executive functions are built. If, if, if a teacher comes to class one day and says, okay, we're gonna talk about why you need to be on your phone less. Those kids are instantly going to tune out. They're done. The, yeah. the only way to get kids to be on their phone less and to build perspective taking skills is to have varied experiences, is to mm -hmm. get out of their comfort zone, to mm -hmm. meet new people, get to know new people, do new things. Mm -hmm. it's, not gonna, it's not something you learn by listening and taking in the information. Right. You, you don't have take to, notes on it. Yeah. Kids have to try new things. They have to go, go play ping pong, go play golf, right. go play basketball. <laughs> Yep. And they realize, yep. wow, this is actually fun. I yep. enjoy this. I don't need to be on my phone all the time. And then they meet new people outside of online friends. Mm -hmm. And they say, wow, this is a million times better than texting <laughs> and messaging and, right. and using Discord and Reddit. So yep. it's all about introducing them to these new things and building an internal motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And it has to be joint. It has to, be, it has to happen at home. And it has to happen at school. We can't say it's the school's responsibility, right? Correct. I mean, everything starts at home. And so media mindfulness is something that we have talked about on our, our this pot, you know, on this um, chapter chat before. But uh, it's something we need to start in early childhood. Uh, we, children need to be mindful of their own screen time. Parents and caregivers need to be mindful of how much they are on their screen because young children learn by imitating the people they love the most. Correct. So, I mean, media mindfulness is something we should be teaching. I mean, I I truly believe, but it's something that pediatricians should be talking to parents about. It's not screen time is bad. That's not what we're talking. We're talking about media mindfulness. We live Correct. in the digital age. And so it's about making sure that we are aware of how much time we are spending on, on the phone, right? Or in front of a screen and that we are balancing a screen time with 
other varied experiences. So exactly. Uh, and when we, when we take learning outside of the classroom, mm-hmm. we talk about this all the time. We talk about the importance of field trips and schools mm-hmm. having community partnerships and getting out. The importance right. of recess. The importance of play mm-hmm. in early childhood. The more kids play and have mm-hmm. varied experiences in early childhood, the less chances they're going to have a screen di- addiction later mm-hmm. because they because they build skills, they build talents, right. they build, build com- interests, they build interest other- and comfort. And that's what it's all about. It is. It is. All right. So getting back to our chapter, this is kind of a hard chapter. This section, the next section is all about, you know, the phrase where they say, oh, it's academic. And Mm -hmm. so they really start talking a little bit about mm, part of the problem is at the university level, um, if tenure is everything. So once a professor gets tenure, it, it really getting tenure has nothing to do with how good a professor you are. Getting tenure has to do with how much research you do. And so as long as you're researching, and you might be researching some obscure thing that has really nothing to do with, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, something that your students are even interested in. But as long as you're doing research, you're going to get tenured. So you can have professors who are terrible at teaching, absolutely terrible at teaching, but they're tenured. So they get to work there forever. So there's a problem with, um, uh, to paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, I really enjoyed this on page 161. Colleges are by academics, of academics, and for academics. Academics' passion for narrow areas of content profoundly shapes what is and what is not studied in college classrooms. Faculty appointments are based on openings tied to specific areas of expertise, not to teaching skills or experience. Graduation requirements in college are entirely about seat time, minimum standards of performance, and checking the boxes on essential content. Doesn't it just sound like what we talked about in high school? I mean, it's the same thing. We're just passing kids through as long as we can check the boxes. Um, so I don't know. Um, that this was this was a tough chapter. I mean, as somebody really, who has a master's yes. degree, I mean, and I feel I've always felt like you that going to college is really important. But um, man, Mike, they start talking about, and it may be ahead a little bit, but I just want to mention so that we, if we don't get to it, that um, Finland, because it always comes back to Finland. Um, yeah, that's right. It always does. I'm just going to tell you. But um, that in Finland and Germany was another country where they talked about the fact that they have another route, that they don't expect. Um, every student to go to college that they actually, it's like something like, I wonder where it is now. Now I'm so far ahead of myself. Um, but something like 45%. Oh, it's the very last page on page 180. I mean, and so I'll just jump here real quick, but, um, uh, uh, there is a big factor in, in the gap in the United States is that we don't invest in providing good alternatives to college for our young adults. In countries like Finland and Germany, some 45% of high school graduates choose not to go to college, but rather get advanced training in a trade and generally follow attractive career paths. In our country, if you don't go to college, it's straight to McDonald's. What that's that so you you said what what you just said before, I don't know Mike, this chapter was tough. Mm-hmm. Th- that th- that's when I was done reading this, I was I was done reading. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't read anymore after that. Like this. No, this, I usually get excited about yeah, what we do. Yeah. And I'm telling you this chapter, I had to step away a couple of times. Cause I was like, wait, it's, it's this bleak. goes against everything that I thought I believed everything that I thought was important. Um, ah. it, it's, it's, and, and the, the, we've said from the very beginning, this book pulls 
no punches. Mm -hmm. So how children succeed talked about the cognitive hypothesis and he went around and, you know, it was still a feel good story. Uh Finland, Finnish lessons, really good feel good story. Yeah. This is how it can be done. Yeah. This book right here, most lucky to succeed. They basically talk about that kids are wasting their time in school and they are learning Mm -hmm. nothing. And And they're miserable and it's affecting their mental health. And yep. Yeah, and, and it's exactly what they say. They're basically saying that the education that kids are getting, they're going through stress. They're not doing their homework. They're it's getting causing, in it's, debt. It's, it's causing fights with parents. They're getting mm-hmm. in debt. They're going away to college. They're not prepared for college. And they're, they're either in, dropping out or they're living it. with mom and dad when they're done. Yep, and you look, right. at, fin- and you look at Finland, 45% choose not to go to college but get advanced training in a trade or, or general follow-up career paths. Why is that not a thing in America? Well, because you know what? Because it's not lucrative. That's it's not. Well, it, does, it doesn't bring money. To, here's what we need to do. We need to get Mike Rowe. And I know I've brought him up before. You know Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. Mike yeah, yeah, Rowe, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. phenomenal. And he's the guy that says, look, we need plumbers and we need electricians and we need carpenters. And, you know, we need blue collar, if you want to call them workers. But these are highly skilled People, I mean, they t- it takes training to become an electrician. You know, you can't just be some guy who wakes up one day and goes, oh, I think I'll just go be an electrician. No, you have to go to trade school, right? So Mike Rowe, he's the one we need to partner with. We need to get another track. Instead of saying everybody needs to go to college, we need to have the Mike Rowe route, right? Where, look, you can, you can get a, a, a skill, like getting a skill. So my daughter who went to school to be a nurse, she came out with a skill. To me, when you go yeah. to nursing school, it's, it's a trade school basically right I mean too bad she had to take all that stuff that really didn't apply to her you know her her um being a nurse but I mean when she got out of school she was very hireable right I mean it didn't it were certainly helped that she graduated during an international pandemic I mean she was hired before she even graduated I mean and started working because they weren't in school because everybody was on lockdown and so Whitney started working before she even graduated because they were so desperate for nurses um but so she graduated with a skill right so you look at um, it's somewhere in this chapter, and Lord knows if I can find it, but they talk about the people who, are, who have the hardest time getting a job are business majors. <sighs> business majors are the hardest, um, that they are the most uh, unemployable. I mean, it's just, it just slays Terrible. Them. Oh, here it Terrible. is. Um, on page 170, uh, of recent college graduates, business majors rank second in unemployment of all majors from college. Unbel- and, and isn't that the majority of, col- isn't that the majority of people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Un- I mean, un- it's insane. It's insane. And, and we, yeah. have, we haven't even touched on automation and how things are becoming oh. automated now and, right. and, and machines and computers are taking right. jobs away from people. Yep. But, yep. but it's, it's really, we need to look at the big picture here. Yep. Why yep. isn't the path, why in America is it college or, or McDonald's? nothing? McDonald's. Or McDonald's. Those are your choices. Why? And so you, if you choose college, get ready for debt get ready for some mental health um, issues, you know, um, because I feel like when I went to college, the cognitive hypothesis had not hit yet. I'm old. So, I mean, the cognitive hypothesis really came about in the late 1990s. And so yeah. I graduated from grad school in 1995. So I'm going to tell you, my college experience was an experience. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have a ton. I mean, sure, there was some stress, but I mean, I nothing like what my daughters have gone through. I mean, just watching them and the expectations to be perfect, that you're not allowed. If you get a C, you can't can't, um, you know, you won't be able to graduate in your major. I mean, things like that. Do you remember, Mike? I don't know. You're a lot younger than me. But there used to be a time when the grade C meant average. 
Okay. A was exceptional. B was above average. C was average. D was below average and F was failing. Oh, no, 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 no. Today, we might as well just change the grading system to A, B, F. Because if you get a C, what does everybody say? You can't go to college if you have C's on your report card. You it's can't ridiculous. make it. And in, and in college, if you get it's a ridiculous. C, oh, well, I hope you're not trying to go to grad school because you're never going to get a, get into grad school if you have a C on your report card. I have to read you this, Mike. I mean, this is just something. I, I don't even know where it is. It's some comment. If you want to say something for a minute, go ahead. I'll be quiet for a second. But I want to read it's, something here. It, it's it's exact. I remember when I wanted to apply to the master's program in speech, I got these long list of prerequisite classes I had to take. Uh -huh. And some, some of them made sense. They were speech level classes. Right. But I also had to take like a chemistry, a health, a nutrition, mm -hmm. all uh -huh. these random classes I had to take. And, and everything was about if you don't get an A in every single right. one of these tests, you're not going to get into any of the programs. You're not going to get into grad school. That's and, then, right. and then even in grad school, I was so used to the mindset that I had to get an A in everything. And I had to graduate with a master's 4.0. Mm -hmm. Me getting a, I ended up getting a 4.0 in grad school, but that did nothing for me. No one cares. Right. Do you think anybody cares when they're interviewing you for a job? So tell me your GPA. Oh, only a 3.8. Oh, I don't, you know, but we, but the cognitive hypothesis says you have to be perfect. We don't tolerate mm -hmm. imperfection in any way. When I, because I'm so much older when I was like even in elementary and in high school um I've always been very good at language arts I'm good with language with words so reading writing spelling giving speeches I mean those are the kind of things I've always excelled at um I was never quite as good I mean I'm not saying I mean I, I did okay in math but I didn't love math as much I'm not really you know the the numbers don't make as much sense as words do to me so I mean so it was okay if I got a B or a C in a math class my parents were never upset with me because remember C used to mean average. C used to mean you're doing okay. You've got enough information. Today a C means you're stupid. You you Un don't you you don't you're not unbelievable. Like a unbelievable. C. You got a C? Oh my gosh, you got a C on your paper? A C on a paper used to mean you did average. No, yeah. no, no. We don't we need to just change the grading scale because we have no tolerance for average in this country anymore. You have to be exceptional and you have to be exceptional in everything. You have to be exceptional in school. You have to be exceptional in soccer. You have to be exceptional in theater. You have to be exceptional when you play the violin. So there's this expectation. And because parents have to prove it on social media, how exceptional their children are when their children fail, then parents look as though, oh, I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not doing yeah. it right. So then there's more pressure put on students to um, excel at everything. So let me get off that soapbox for a minute. On one page 178, this absolutely breaks my heart. And if you can see what I wrote there, so unfortunate. So here's the little mm. story. Ted recently talked to a young man. Ted is one of the authors, Ted Dintersmith. Ted recently talked to a young man who had worked for years in a Sherwin-Williams paint store. Do you have a Sherwin-Williams anywhere around you? Is that oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have one oh, just yeah. literally like a half mile from here. Okay. Oh, yeah. So by all measures, he was a spectacular employee. Okay. This sounds like a great story, doesn't it? You're thinking, oh, he's a spectacular employee. This is going to be a happy ending. Great with customers. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? He's great with customers. Knowledgeable about all aspects of the store's operation, strong financial skills, and dedicated and responsible. But he can never be promoted to store manager because he doesn't have a college degree. And, and I guarantee you he knows the ins and outs of that store more yep. than any other employee, yep. but a college degree where he may, you know, he may read the Iliad or the Odyssey right. or, you know, he, he, right. uh, he has to, you know, uh, go on a go do write a paper about whatever. Mm -hmm. 
that's going to allow him to run the store better. Right. It's, Don't you want a guy who knows about paint? Yeah. A paint store? Who knows the specifics of that store and, yeah, and interacts with, with customers? Yeah, who's good with customers and People skills. the financials. I mean, who else would you want to run the paint store other than a guy who understands how to run a paint store? But, oh, you don't have a college degree, so sorry. You can just be the, the cashier. You know, we're going to just pay you $12 an hour. We're not going to give you full-time, give you benefits, allow you to build a 401K because you didn't go $125,000 in debt to go get that college degree. So, Ooh, right, so, crass, right, so right from there, great with, custom, great with customers, dedicated, responsible. Yep, those are executive function skills. Three ca three skills, internal skills yep. that can't that cannot be measured. Great with customers. What company yep. in the world would not want doesn't someone want that. who's Especially great with customers? Especially someone in retail. Yeah. It, yeah. It, but he doesn't have a college degree, so his college so, wasn't for so him. So forget the fact that he has perspective taking, because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're great with customers, you can sense when a customer is starting to get frustrated or yep. upset, and you know how to actually bring them down, because you change your demeanor, you go into the customer is always right mentality, right? So if he's good with customers, I promise you, he has perspective taking skills. That's but right. yet we could hire smarty pants Joe who has a four year degree from Harvard and he would run the paint store into the ground because he maybe doesn't have perspective taking skills, but he has a, a college degree. So this is again, what is wrong with education in this country? And until I read this chapter, Mike, it had never even occurred to me that it went all, it went all the way to college. Like I know, I see it in the elementary schools. I see it in high school. I was blown away by this chapter that we have the same exact issues in college. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable. And there's so and like I was saying before, I work with so many high school students that live in that small comfort zone that mm -hmm. don't have varied experiences. There's only so much I can do for them an hour a week of therapy right, of, right. of helping them. But, you know, they, they still go home every day. And yes, they may try some new things and build flexibility and build regulation skills. But in today's world, it's hard because all of his other peers are stuck on the internet too. Right, and it's, and, right. and I, I still, to this day, since COVID has ended and the world's opened up, I still have not seen a single kid outside riding his bike. I yeah, still, yeah. I still, I, I, you, <laughs> you, just, you just don't see it. No. So I, I am constantly saying, yes, you ha I had so much fun in college. My four years of undergrad were life-changing to me. I met some of the best friends of my life and being out of the tiny little town that I grew up in, Mm -hmm. And going to college. It opened your eyes. It, right? it, it made me who I am today. To right. be independent and to just be on my own and to live on my own and to be in the dorms and to be around people. I was, yep. from, a, I was from a very non-diverse town in Long mm -hmm. Island. And mm -hmm. I went and I, I met diverse people from diverse backgrounds. And it was just, it was so helpful to me and helped me right. to grow and mature. And that's what we always think of the college experience as being. But unfortunately, it is no longer that way for most Oof. students. What Oof. they go on to talk about in this chapter, Mike, that is also heart-wrenching is that those who are able to get into the really good schools often come that they start off with advantages. So there is privilege um, because so many um, students, if their parents are 
influential, if they're donors, you know, if they're legacy, right? Oh, well, I went to Harvard or I went to Yale, so I'm going to get my kid in there. And so these, the, the rich are getting um, advan- you know, more advantages. The middle class is basically falling away. And then we're left with, you know, the, the, the lower class, if you will. And one thing that literally just stopped me in my tracks as I was reading, um, they start talking about the impact on society. And um, hmm, uh, this was, was, was pretty hard because they talk about, oh, they actually use, uh, here it is. And well, this, isn't this, yeah. Mm, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm and, this, find this. And, and that takes me back to some of these unbelievable students we learned about in How Children Succeed. We learned, mm-hmm. about, we learned about young girls and young boys growing up in really tough inner cities mm-hmm. that cared about school, that mm-hmm. turned their lives around, that were the first ones to get accepted into college, mm-hmm. that would l- grow up in these environments where it was hard to do homework, hard to study, mm-hmm. but it was their number one goal. I have to be the first person to go to college. Mm-hmm. But, but these people who go to these private schools that tailor to them, you know, money takes care mm-hmm. of money. And they, yep, gr- they graduate right. from these, these big schools. It's ridiculous. And, it what's, and what's the one solution that could really help people? Right here. Yeah, is if we start. There you have it. We started focusing on the critical skills, the executive function skills. Page one seventy one, Mike. This is the one where, and I actually put a money sign. That was like my little clue. Mm, this was, okay. okay. So it says today our higher education system is becoming a cause of income inequality in our country instead of a solution. In a single generation, we've seen colleges' role in our society and economy change entirely. In the 20th century, college was instrumental in extending economic opportunity and social integration to millions of young Americans, fueling the rise of a growing, robust middle class. And graduates of our colleges were, by and large, engaged and informed citizens who further strengthened our social fabric. Today, though, are you ready for this? College has become our country's very own ivory tower caste system, penalizing Mm. the life prospects of our lower and middle income families and locking in advantage for our upper crust, all the while churning out graduates disengaged from their responsibilities as citizens. So, I mean, it's just so hard for me to really recognize that college is now creating a caste system, right? Where, um, did you see what, did you see what our friend Callie said? No. What'd she write? It's right there. She said, mic Mic drop. drop. As soon as you're done, she said, mic drop. That's just, that's, it's, it's, it's no, I have heard from, I I recently spoke to someone who grew up in the New Orleans area and came back and then went there and, you know, she came back and I was like, Oh, what's it like there? How are things there? And the very first thing she said was there's no more middle class there. So there's going away. There's very obvious, you know, low income people, very Mm -hmm. obvious because, you know, they're growing up in the, in the bad areas. And then there's the Mm -hmm. uber rich, the crazy rich. And where, where is the middle class? Where is the room for the middle class? And I'll tell you where they are. They're, they're paying Sally Mae every month. That's exactly what's happening. So they're working and barely surviving and having to work two jobs to pay off their student loan for their graduate degree. That the world had convinced them that the only way to be successful is to go to college. Um, I'm sure I've mentioned this at one point, but our middle daughter, when she was in high school, I think she was a junior, and she said, Mom, I think I want to do hair. I think I want to go to beauty school. And I said, you know what? I, we, Dad and I, we fully support you if that's what you want to do because we want you to feel fulfilled. We want you to have a, a job, a profession. 
profession. And we said, there's so much room for growth there. Someday you could have your own, you know, your own salon or, so we were a hundred percent. We went and we visited some beauty schools, you know, cosmetology schools. We got online. She started researching, maybe becoming an esthetician. I mean, it was like, like we supported her a hundred percent. And then her senior year of high school, she came to us and said, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of praying, and I've decided I do want to go to college. I want to be a teacher. So of course wow. we fully supported that too. But I mean, it was, it was so interesting because when she came to us at first, my husband and I, our initial reaction was, she can't do that. She can't do hair. And then we were like, why can't she do hair? I mean, somebody has to do hair. Like, and somebody who has like, she's really like, she's put together, like she's, she, she's, she cares about how she looks and she's really like detail oriented. And I'm like, well, she'd be really good at it. Why wouldn't we support that? So for me and my husband, because he and I are both um, uh, first generation graduates, you know, college graduates. So for us, we thought our kids are always going to go to school, you know, go to college. Mike, I just have to ask you, you have a baby at home. She's not even a year old yet. Could you imagine a time when your sweet daughter comes to you and says, dad, I don't think I want to go to college. Oof, it's, I, it's hard I, to think I, about, isn't it? I, especially knowing how beneficial it was to me. But in that short period, I graduated undergrad in 2009. Okay. And in, in that period of time between now and then, it's different. It's we totally see, different. You, you see the charts. It's not the same. It, and there's it's, no it, way. It's, and and the that's way, why on page 146, yep. why they said, many of you are going to squirm at what we have to say in this chapter because it goes against entrenched beliefs. I'm just telling you, these authors, like they, they tell you how it is. And I, I still am reeling from this chapter. This one has been a really tough one for me to kind of digest. So all of those parents out there who have a son or daughter with ADHD, executive dysfunction, stuck in that little comfort zone, hardcore screen addictions, unbelievably prompt dependent, mm -hmm. which you cannot be in any college. You can't go to college if you're not independent. Yeah, if you're exactly. not doing your own laundry, if you're not cooking your own meals, if you're not you know, doing some degree of grocery shopping, if you're not managing a budget, if you don't have a job, it's so... I mean, I, my husband and I talk about this. We both worked 20 to 25 hours a week. We both worked at a grocery store. That's how we met. Um, and so we, you know, worked at a grocery store the entire time, like from 10th grade on. That's just what we did. So we had to learn how to manage our time. We had to still get our schoolwork done. We had to make time for work. We had to, you know, have gas money for our car. We had to keep our car up. I mean, we had so much responsibility in high school, but that's why we, I think, succeeded in college because we had the executive function skills to be planned, to be organized, to. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think today kids spend so much of their time being directed and shuffled by adults, right? Uh, competitive uh, sports is all adult directed. The coach yeah. directs it. They tell you where to stand, where to play, what to practice, when to practice, how to practice. Um, it's not like when we were kids, we had pickup games of basketball and pickup games yep. of, of, of kickball and everything was, was totally 100% child directed. So I think there are so many things that have changed in childhood surrounding play and free play that is basically it's non-existent now and we have to wonder if the lack of play um, isn't contributing to the lack of um, development of executive function skills uh, my new webinar is called building executive function skills through play I mean that is I, I've absolutely tied the two together how absolutely essential it is that children have to initiate and plan their own play it's critical so now knowing what, the, what college is like today, what it's all about today, all the parents out there with young kids growing up in this instant gratification world, which mm -hmm. has created the hurried child, the overscheduled child, 
the prompt dependent child, the non-independent child, the non-resilient mm -hmm. child, mm -hmm. the non-flexible child, is college really for them? Right. We is it realistic? We, ha we have yeah. to ask this. We have to ask this question. Uh, you know, do do these parents? You know, and it, it's it's ingrained into our brains so deeply. Yep, if you don't is. if you don't go to college, you're going to end up at McDonald's. Yep. That's something. What I've does everybody heard. ask? Seniors. Yeah. Oh, where are you going to school? Like, if you don't have an answer, every oh, we haven't decided yet. That's what a lot of parents will say because they feel judged. Oh, yeah. so where's he going to go to college? Oh, he hasn't really decided yet because heaven forbid I say, oh, he's actually not going to college. Oh, 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 is it drugs? You know, there's automatically going to be yeah, an assumption that's true. that there's something wrong. That's this true. is what cracks me up, Mike. On page 147, I literally, I laughed out loud when I read this. So they talk about, <laughs> you know, what I kept reading that uh, many of you will squirm at what we have to say, but we encourage you to have an open mind. So if you're a parent, of a child, I want you to have an open mind. You can probably remember the first music playing device you or your family owned, an LP record player, a stereo console, an eight track tape player in your car, a CD player, maybe a Sony Walkman. This cherished device likely brought many hours of enjoyment, exploration, and learning as you formed lifelong affection for the music you love to this day. But if someone offered to sell your child a beat up eight track tape player for $25,000, you might raise a red flag and you should no matter how much importance you place on music appreciation for your child. Wow. So that's what I want you. I really think wow. you, you need parents today. And Mike, you're a parent of a child, right? A very young child. You have to make sure that you don't buy a $25,000 eight track tape just because you listen to eight track tapes or just because you listen to CDs. They're non-existent. They don't, they're not practical anymore. So these um, guys I, with their damn analogies. Oh my God. Wagner and Dintersmith. First it was the DMV and now it's, and now it's this, it's just, it's unbelievable. They really it pull, is. they pull at your heartstrings. My God. They do. They it's, do. It's, it's ridiculous. And oh. it's, th this really has got to get parents thinking and yep. look, and all of this can be solved when we get business and politics out of education. Oh, the number one yeah. thing yeah. is early childhood and getting rid of the cognitive hypothesis. Because yep. yep. yes, we can make college what it's supposed to be. We can yep. make it the valuable experience and colleges, and colleges can still make their but money and things like that. But we have to make it affordable like again. It, I mean, yes. we have to stop. And, you know, there's a whole section in here that we don't have time to get to. But um, the whole thing you need to understand is universities about go bankrupt trying to make it into the um, – yeah. what's that? Uh, the Here it is. Uh, what's um, – U.S. News and World Report, uh, you know, top 100 colleges, you know, they come out with that every year. And so they talk from page 164 to like 166 um, about how universities, um, they have to uh, prove that they are in the in the assessing college quality. There it is, starting on page 162. So the influential rankings are based on factors like acceptance rate, the more selective a school, the, the better it has to be, right? So if they only accept 40% of applicants, that means they're really good, right? Their perceived reputation, average SATs of entering class, their research budget, and graduation and retention rates. Not one of the criteria used by U.S. News and World Report to rank colleges reflects how much students actually learn. And, and here's the thing that blew my mind. So colleges spend large sums of money to increase the number of applications they receive so they can reject more and appear more selective. You guys, are you to, okay with to, this? To, to increase mean, their ranking. I mean, what, what, what are we? Unbelie oh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. See, Mike, now, 
now I have to drink wine. I'm going to yeah. have to go oh, yeah. get wine. This stresses oh, yeah. me out in a, a way. I mean, it's, 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 it's so hard. So what I want to end with is the very last thing on page 180. They have this nice little thing. They explain that there's two paths we can take. Yep. So bear with me, but I think it's worth ending on this. Consider the following experiment. Path one. Every spare minute of a four-year high school period dedicated to crafting the perfect college application and or drilling to improve standardized test performance, okay? Um, path two, normal, healthy high school experience with lots of time for play, passion, and purpose. Take your pick. Path one, four years of college. Path two, four years of internships and complimentary learning experiences, co-residing with other smart, driven kids, lots of opportunity for engaged discussion with peers and adults, periodic outside speakers, and background reading. Interesting. Path one, a degree from an accredited college. Path two, some form of respected alternative credential. Path one, total cost, $250,000. Path two, a four-year experience that doesn't cost much money on a net basis. Unbelievable. Those are our choices. And so my, what my favorite part about, is yeah. the normal, healthy high school experience yep. with lots of time for play Passion, passion and play, purpose. Pa isn't that amazing? The three P's. Okay. Play, are you going to do a post purpose. on that tomorrow or Let's am I? Do the three P's. You, 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 you do, do it. You, no, are you I'm, sure? Play, I, passion, You're way purpose. better at Instagram than I am. Three oh, P's. my goodness. The three, three P's. P's. Like that is. Um, That's play, uh, passion, passion, and purpose. And, and, and where, I mean, what, where are those three things? Where are they? All three of them are gone. They're gone. Think about it. In life, take forget students. Let's just talk about human beings. I mean, you only you, you only get to be on this planet once, right? What more would we want than to have play, passion, and purpose for every single? Imagine if if our education system made that part of their mission statement. I mean, can you imagine instead of trying to line the pockets of test companies like Pearson and you know those great big and you know people who put on the SAT and the ACT and um, I don't know. I'm just excited. Next week is chapter six. I don't know what it's called, but I'm excited for chapter oh, it's, seven oh, because it, chapter yeah. five says, as we'll see in chapter seven, seven, exciting and innovative developments now offer a different path forward for young adults. I cannot wait to read what these exciting and innovative developments are because something's got to change. And of course, there's no way to measure this. But we have talked at length about mental health deteriorating in, mm -hmm. in middle school, high school, and, of course, college now. Mm -hmm. So we know for a fact anxiety has increased, depression has increased, mm -hmm. suicides have increased. Yep. And, yep. and college and dropout rates. College dropout increase. rates have increased. Well, yep. guess what? I guarantee as those things have increased, the three Ps have decreased. decreased. Oh, those, there is those three things right there, 100% correlated. Yep. One yep. goes up. One goes down. Yep. We want yep. to improve the mental health of our of this entire Society. generation. Yeah. Bring back the three P's. That's right. And and uh, yeah, th there's just we have to move away from the cognitive hypothesis. Nothing is going to change. We as parents, we have to stop assuming that the most important thing for a child to be is smart. Right. That the most important thing to be is to have a 4.0. We have to understand that the most important thing is to have strong executive function skills. And when we can recognize the power of executive function skills, that is when we can really understand and appreciate what matters most in this world. And it is not test scores and it is not GPA, but the cognitive hypothesis says it is. So until we find a way to move past the cognitive hypothesis, education will always uh, continue to just gradually just keep going downhill at which point Mike and I are moving to Finland. So. Hey, Finland does it. And, um, and there's a reason why those kids extend their school because school for them is play. 
it they is, are passionate about it joy. and yep. it gives them purpose. That's right. There Mike, as it. always, this was a phenomenal hour. Next week, we'll be back on Monday night. So we'll see you in just a few short days. Uh, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Let me see. What's it called? Chapter 6 is Oh, this, this one looks good. This one looks really good. Yeah, where is it? Oh, Chapter 6, Teaching, Learning, and Assessing. I yeah, and, and it, it, it dives deep. I, I looked at it a Did little bit. It? A little mm -hmm. bit. And mm -hmm. this, that's going to be especially for all us therapists out there, all us parents. Uh -huh. next, next week, we'll have a special pre-Thanksgiving episode. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, oh, my goodness. Mike, guess what? There's only two chapters left. So we have two weeks left on this book, and then it will be time. So next week, we'll announce what our next chapter chat book uh, is, because some of you I know like to purchase the book and follow along with us. So Mike and I'll have a discussion. Um, we also, we, we need to decide, Mike, if we're going to have a chapter chat the week of Thanksgiving or not. Let's talk about that. So we'll meet Monday. And then okay. we will, uh, to do chapter six, I hope we can that Monday before Thanksgiving so we can finish this book. I, I think, think it would can. be good. I think too. we can. Yeah. I think that'd be As long nice. as we do Monday night, I think we'll be fine. So, and then we'll all give thanks to chapter chat. Oh, it'll be awesome. So, <laughs> Mike, I just, I enjoy this time with you so much. Thank you. And so much to everybody fun. who joined us, we appreciate it. This is available uh, as a podcast. If you want to uh, recommend this to your friends or your colleagues, uh, tell them, Mike, how they can find it on the podcast. So all you have to do is go to the podcast app on, on an iPhone, the Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You type in Education Chapter Chat. There was another old podcast called Chapter Chat. So, I, so ours is called Education Chapter Chat. You'll see both of our faces. You'll see our symbol. Uh, all the episodes are listed by the name of the book and the chapter number. Uh, and it's great. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice, fun, easy listen. And yep. it just, it blows my mind. Like, of course, not everyone's available for the live shows. Right. Just, right. you know, just our, our, our amazing Kelly Knights and all the amazing, <laughs> all the amazing people out there who I love so much. Uh, but everyone who listens in their free time, the yeah. thousands of people who have downloaded it. All over the it's world. All so over the world. you can go back and listen to book one, our, uh, all of our chapter chats from book one, which was How Children Succeed. Uh, our second book was Finish Lessons 2.0. So you can go back and listen to all those. And then if you, this was your first night joining us, you can go back and listen to uh, the previous ones for our current book. So, and and, and I, I can't wait for our fourth book, to be honest. I know. I know. So, all right, guys, you have a wonderful <laughs> weekend. Um, I'm going to go watch some football and have a glass of wine, and we will see you on Monday night. After that chapter, I'm drinking a lot of wine. I love it. Talk to you later. <laughs> see you soon. Bye, everyone.